I think we could leave right now and say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord, wouldn't you? But if you will, please, open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12. If you're visiting with us, as Brother Rob said earlier, you're a special guest. We want you to just feel right at home with us here today and worship the Lord. Thankful for all that's been done thus far in the services. We thank God for his, his spirit in this place today. <laughs> Hebrews chapter number 12, we'll be reading verses 1 through verse 3. If you will, please, in reverence to the reading of the scriptures, would you stand? After the reading of the scriptures and prayer, you can be seated. Hebrews 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily Beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. At this time, Brother Roger, would you ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word? Amen. And all God's people said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This morning I've entitled this, this lesson, this study, if you will, Steps for Staying in the Race. Steps for Staying in the Race. And we're going to look at three different, uh, if you will, topics this morning as we bring this lesson to you. I want to open this Lesson, first of all, by saying that to be effective in teaching or preaching, it is necessary at times to use figures of speech, and we find a great many of them listed in the Bible, especially uh, using metaphors, similes, things to that nature that kind of brings the teaching of the, of the word home to you, that you can relate to it. Now, as we look at this passage today, it's going to be talking about running a race, running a race, and the Christian life is compared to running a race. Not only that, the Apostle Paul and other writers of the scriptures have alluded to uh, the Christian life as, as being a good soldier, being a good soldier. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 3, the apostle tells us that we're to endure hardships as a good soldier of the cross. 
We're told in Ephesians chapter number 6, and I think we studied this a week or so back, that we're to put on the whole armor of God that we may able, be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We've looked at these things. Now, he's also given us examples of boxing. Believe it or not, the Apostle Paul used the examples of boxing in the fact that he says that I swing not to hit the air. In other words, he was aiming for and he had a target in which he was swinging at. He wasn't just swinging into the air. Not only that, in the book of Romans, in the book of Philippians, in the book of Titus, we're told that we are slaves, bond slaves, if you will. We have many, many examples in the scriptures of the Christian life. But one of the favorite ones that I like to use in my studies is the one where we're actually runners. We're in an endurance race. We're in a marathon, if you will. Uh, not just a sprint, but a marathon. And it brought back to my memory when I was in, uh, just started into high school. Been a while back. But I started into high school, and I was always pretty good at the 100-yard dash. Pretty good out of the hole, you know, like a gazelle, if you will. I know I don't look like it now. <laughs> but I was pretty, pretty fast, you know, for a short distance. For about 100 yards, you know, I, I could hang in there with some of the best of them. But then we decided that we were one day going to do a half mile. Well... You can't run a half mile the same way that you run a 100-yard dash. I found myself in the lead for the first part, for 100 yards or so. But then I started gasping for air. My legs started hurting. I thought that I was going to die. And I actually come in last. What we must understand in the Christian life, that this is not how you start but it's how you finish. It's how you run that race day in, day out. Every opportunity that you have, you're running this race, this Christian life. We run a race. We're running in a race in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. Paul told the Galatians that they started out running well. And then in Philippians chapter 2, some people run in vain. This morning as we open up this, these passages of scripture, I want you to know something. That nowhere in the Bible are we promised that this race is going to be easy. Nowhere. I don't care in spite of all the prosperity gospel that's being proclaimed throughout our, our country today. The Christian life is difficult. The word race in our, in our text here is a word that means agony. It means something that you have to be persistent. You have to be, if you will, uh, you got to do it. You got to put yourself out there. You got to plan for it. You got to make preparation for it. If you're not, if you're just sitting on the sidelines, if you're not in the race today, today you could start. You could get in that race. You could run it well. You could run it, with, as the Hebrew writer says here, with patience. Three things we're going to look at, three steps, if you will, 
that we're going to look at this morning as we talk about running this race. The first thing we're going to consider this morning is we're going to consider the saints. We're going to consider the saints. If you remember in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11, we're given a list of those who have gone on before us. It's called the, the Hall of Fame of the Faithful in Hebrews chapter number 11. And we're given a list of those who have went on before us. We look at that list and we see names such as, as Abel, who offered up a more perfect sacrifice than his brother. We see uh, in these Enoch. Enoch was the one you remember in the Bible that was walking with God. And it pleased God. And it seemed like to me that one day Enoch and God was walking together and God said, Enoch, we're closer to my house than yours. Just come on, go home with me. Enoch walked with God and he didn't see death. He was translated. Then we hear of the, of the history of the man Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, the Moses, the crossing of the Red Sea, the falling down of the walls of Jericho, the, the spy the spies that was hid by the harlot Rahab. It talks about those such as Gideon and Barak and David and Jephaniah. All of these in the great hall of fame of the faithful, we are told that we can look at. Now, it may be a fact that, that you know, some people have said that, you know, that Paul or whoever the writer of Hebrews was, whoever his, he is, was giving, if you will, an example of a great coliseum and all of these in the faith that's went on before us are sitting in the grandstands and they're cheering us on. And that, that may be the case, but I don't think that's what the Bible's teaching. I believe that the Bible is teaching as we look at the saints, those that have gone on before us, that we look to them as examples of how they walk in their walk of faith, how they run their race of faith. As they're looking to God and they're witnessing of God and his faithfulness, we're to the same to look at them and their lives and to see that they walked, they were successful in their walk, that God was faithful to them and he'll be faithful to you and I. We can trust the very same God that they trusted. The Bible teaches us that the that God is the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, the same God that parted the Red Sea is the same God that walks with you and me today. The same God that caused the walls of Jericho to fall is the same God that we are following, that we're running after today. Amen. We serve the same God they did. But it's almost like that we say, no, the God that we serve today, he's, he's more laid back. He's not as involved in life. He's not as strong as he was. He's not as caring as he was. But the Bible teaches us that our God is the same. So whenever we look at these men and these women of faith, we can see the dependability and the power and the reliability of the God that they serve is the same God that helps you and I in our walk of faith. We look at the saints and we see that they run their race. They run their race. They run their race in the fact that they were persistent in their run. As I said in the opening part of this message here, the Christian life is not a sprint. It's not a sprint, but it's a long-distance run. 
It's something that you do in patience, as the Bible teaches us here, and we'll get into in just a little bit more. It's a, it's a run that you have to have endurance. You have to be intentional in this walk. And it's so sad to me sometimes as I look around and I see that there are so many professed Christians, professed brothers and sisters that are sitting on the sidelines. They've quit. They've given up. They've got disappointments. They've had all of these circumstances handed to them. And they've just quit. And they said, I'm not going to run anymore. I've done my job. And folks, this is senior day. And, and you know, sometimes we, man, that sounds funny for me to include myself, but I am a senior. We, you're as old as I am. We sometimes think that because that we have been in the church for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, that, well, you know, it's time for the young people to come up. You know, I've done my job. I've worked hard in the church. Now I'm just going to, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to relax. Folks, there is no place in the Christian walk in the Bible where I see that there is a place to quit. There is no place in the Christian walk where we can let up. Because as soon as we let up, the devil enters in, and before you know it, he's got the victory. What we need today is people who are sure and steadfast, immovable in their faith, and willing to stand and ready to stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They run their race as we look at these. They finish their course. I want to be able to say, and I'm hoping that through this message this morning, that you'll leave this place today with a new and a fresh vigor, if you will, in your race. And you'll be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the righteous judge shall give and not to me only but to all those who love his appearing. Brothers and sisters, we want to be able to look at our Lord that one day and say, I fought a good fight, Father. I fought a good fight. These saints, as we look at them, they run their race. They received their reward. These people ran their race, and now they're able to be right in the presence with the Father. You know, there's a lot of things in the Christian life. And, and you know, I was told, and I've, I've read some articles over the past week, where that it said in the Greek games, you know, they were big in the Olympics and all the games that, the, that they, they uh, did during that time, that there was... Uh, at the end of their race, in the end of their marathon, if you will, there was a podium at the end of the track. And on that podium, there was a prize, whether it was a reef or a great sum of money. But there was something that you run for, run to. Now, a lot of people say that I'm running in this race to go to heaven. If you're born again, heaven's already yours. Heaven's already yours. But what we must focus on and what we must understand that our reward is not just heaven. It's not the gates of pearl. It's not the streets of gold. It's not that river of water that runs down through that heavenly city. 
It's not that tree that bears the 12 manner of fruit. But our reward is to be able to honor and glorify our God. That's our reward is to be in his presence and to bring him honor and glory. Not just to go to heaven. These saints had their reward. He says, wherefore seen, we also are compassed about with so great cloud of witness. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let's, let's look at that passage of, of scripture. He says, because we've got these saints that have gone on before. Because these saints has run their race. Because these saints has already received their reward. Here's what we can learn. Here's what we can do. As he uh, gives us the example of the Christian life being a race, if you will. In order to run a race, there's things that we must do. Number one, we got to be prepared. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about any of you, but I don't think that any of us, maybe, yeah, maybe this brother right back here. Other than him, I don't think any of us would be ready to go out on the road right now and start running. I mean, I, I could probably make it to that red car. <laughs> but in order to run in a race, in a marathon, you got to make preparations. You gotta, you gotta slim yourself down. You, you, you've got to wear the proper clothing. You, you've got to train in it. How do you train for the Christian walk? How do you train for the Christian life? Well, one of the greatest things that can train you is to saturate your soul in the Word of God. To saturate it. The second thing that you and I can do in order to prepare ourselves for this great race is to have an open communication with our Father. That's prayer. And a willingness, a willingness to step out and share the gospel message. Preparation, study, prayer, meditation, witness. All of these things are good to help us prepare for the race that is, is before us. He said, seeing that we're compassed with this great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight. You ever, did you note right there that the writer of Hebrews said, let us? He's including himself. He's not sitting over here to the side and he's saying, now here's what you got to do. He's saying what we need to do, what he needed to do in order to run this race. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. That weight there, he says to let us lay aside every weight. Now what would you consider a weight in your life that would keep you from running a successful race that brings glory and honor to the Lord. Everybody's got weights. Every one of us. In running, what you would do is, is slim yourself down. Get rid of some body fat. 
get rid of all this so that you can, you know, you, you can stride. Then you, you slim off some of the things that you may be wearing. This, this passage right here pictures a long flowing robe that someone might be wearing. You, you can't run with that robe on. You've got to slim down them clothes as much as is decent, and then you can run. The weight, I'm asking you again, what is the weight that is in your life right now? Think about it. I'm not talking about the person sitting beside you. I'm talking about you. Ask yourself, Lord, what is the weight that I have in my life right now that keeps me, that hinders me from running? He also says that these weights, you've got you to peel them off. But he says also that there is the sin that does so easily beset you. He didn't say sins now because, you know, of course there are sins. But in particular, ask yourself this question. Not only what is the weight that's keeping you from running, what is that particular sin that easily sets you off or besets you? Everybody's got it. Yours is different from mine. But everybody's got that besetting sin that keeps you from being a champion in this race. He says you've got to get rid of it. We're compassed about with this great cloud of witness. We can look at their example as they're looking under the Father. And we can see their shining example, how they dealt with problems, how we deal with problems. He says there's this great cloud of witness. We need to lay aside the weights and the sin which does so easily beset. That word beset there means to entangle or trip you up. What is that sin in your life that trips you up? Causes you to stumble. Causes you to fall. As we look at considering the saints, we're now considering ourselves. Considering ourselves. We look at ourselves and we say, what is that weight? What is that sin? What is that that, that, that besets me? You know, I can name a few. Perhaps we're seeking entertainment instead of fellowship with God. There's a lot of that goes on today. I've been in the ministry 30 years, I guess. And the one question that always, I don't know, I don't guess it really bothers me, but then it, it does kind of bother me. The one question that I would always be posed with whenever new people would come into the church, not particularly this church, but churches that I've pastored, one of the main things that they would want to know is this. What do y'all do for entertainment? What do you have for the kids? Do y'all have things for the kids to keep them entertained? Do y'all have things, fun, games, all this good stuff? Do y'all have all that to offer our children? Folks, we got the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's six days left in a week. I'm sure kids can find a lot of entertainment in six days. Can't they lay aside one hour to worship our God? Nope. 
You know why? Because we have an entertainment-driven society today, and that society of entertainment has bled into the New Testament church, and we think that the only way that we can build a church is entertain people. Folks, if the gospel of Jesus Christ don't do it, it won't get done. Entertainment instead of the true worship of God. Seeking possessions. We put possessions over the things of God. Well, it's getting quiet. What is those besetting sins? Maybe it's your possessions that are getting rid or are keeping you from running the race. That you've got to put in those extra hours in order to pay for this little gadget that you want. Craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. I've talked to people and they say, you know, and I work a public job, Roger. I know what it is to work a public job. And I talk to people throughout the week and you, they walk in the door of that place and they're just, blah, 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 blah. I hate this place. I wish I didn't have to come in here. Die, 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 die. You know, they're bad-mouthing their job and all this stuff. But bless your heart, they'll work every minute of overtime they can get. And then you hear them say, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love the church. And any little thing that comes up, it'll keep them home. I mean anything. I mean, we hate our jobs, but we'll go there, we'll stay there, we'll work overtime, we hate it. But then we say we love the Lord, and then we can't hardly get people to come to the house of God. A besetting sin like that will keep you from running the race and being a champion for the Lord. A weight like that will keep you from being a champion and winning for the Lord. Giving our attention to things like music, television shows. Hey, you know, whoa, 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 preacher. You done quit preaching and you went to meddling now. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with watching TV. I didn't say there's anything wrong with watching TV. You got a remote, you can change the channels. You know what you need to change the channels on then. You know things that are going on in your life right now that you know is not pleasing to God. You know it's in the direct against God's word and you're still doing it. That'll keep you from winning the race. That's a weight. That's a sin that easily besets you and trips you up. We give all this attention to all of these things. We don't have our minds on the Lord. We have it on everything else. In short, this refers to anything that does not build us up. That's a weight. That's a sin that easily besets you. Anything that doesn't build you up and make you stronger in the Lord is a weight. It's a sin that besets. He tells us to lay these things aside so that they don't entangle us, don't trip us up. Like I said, there's many sins that I could probably mention. Been guilty of a lot of them. 
Romans chapter 6 and verse number 12, the apostle Paul says these words, Let not sin therefore reign or take over, take control in your mortal bodies. This race takes endurance. It takes an intentional attitude. It takes perseverance. And we got to run it. He says, let us run with patience. Endurance. Christian life is not easy. If you think it's easy, it's probably because you're sitting on the sidelines. You're not in the race. And if you're going to win the race, you've got to be in the race. If you're going to win the prize, you've got to run. I want you to know something, folks. We're not in competition with each other in this race either. You know, I'm not trying to outrun Todd. Todd's not trying to outrun me. I'm not trying to outrun Rob or Roger or any of these other guys. We're running together. We're running for the same purpose. We're running for the same goals. We're running for Jesus, for his honor and for his glory. It's, it's not about me trying to outshine anybody. It's not about me trying to say, hey, look at what I've done. Or look at who I am. You know, a lot of us stick our chest out. and we're, The Lord is, man, he's, he's, he's lucky to have me here. Huh? Yeah. Oh, God, them people ought to praise you every day for giving, you, giving me to them. Is that right? That's the attitude a lot of people have when they go into the churches. Money plate passes by, pull out a 20. Look here. That's a besetting sin. That's saying they'll keep him winning the race, wanting to be seen. We're to run this race with patience that is set before us. He tells us to look. Now, in a race, you know, you're not running down through here and you're looking back. You're not looking at your feet. But you're looking ahead. Is that right? You start looking at your feet, you know what's going to happen? You're going to trip. You're going to fall. You start looking back to see who's coming up on you. You know what you're going to do? You're going to fall. But the author here of Hebrews tells us that as we're looking toward those Old Testament saints that's gone on before, we're to look at them as examples. But we're to focus. That's what the word look for in this, in this passage means. It means to focus our attentions. What are we to do in this race? We are to focus our attentions on Jesus, who is the author, who is the finisher, who is the beginner, who is the perfecter of our faith. We're to look to him. Now, it's wonderful and it's good that we've got a pastor that we can look to and that we can respect and we can say, hey, he sets a good example. That's a, that's a blessing. But Todd here is not the standard, nor am I the standard of this church. The Lord Jesus Christ is the standard. A lot of you people may say, well, I live as good as that preacher does. You may do it, but I'm not the standard. As a matter of fact, when you compare worms, everybody's a worm. You know, you got long worms, short worms, skinny worms, fat worms. We're all worms, but I'm not the standard. When you get yourself to the point where you say, I'm comparing myself to Jesus Christ. I'm focused on him. I give him my undivided attention. And when I get as good as him, that's when I'll be in glory. He's the one we focus our attentions on. 
He says, looking unto Jesus, who is the author, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, did you hear that? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. We looked at the, looked at the saints. We've kind of looked at self. Now let's look at the Savior. Amen. Let's look at the Savior. Jesus Christ, looking unto him, the author, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Tell me the joy of going to the cross. Can you explain that to me? Can you explain to me the joy that Jesus Christ our Lord had when he went to the cross? He's seen past the cross, folks. He's seen past the the cross, and he's seen the glory that was going to be his. He's looked past the cross, and he's seen you and I in his hands. He's seen us as his redeemed ones. That brought him joy to bring us into the presence of the Father and also to gain the glory that he had before he came to this world. Back in the presence of his Father. He's seen that, and that brought him joy. He says, for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. And yes, he did. He was shamed. He was mocked. He was ridiculed. He was spat upon. He was hated. He was made fun of and even rejected by his own family. His own brothers and sisters, according to Mark chapter 3, verses 21 through about 26, thought he was a loon. They thought he was crazy. That was a rejection that he faced for you and I. For the joy that was set before him. Despising the shame, and he's now set down at the right hand of God the Father, or the throne of God. What is he doing? He's making intercession. He's making intercession for you and I. He's given us an open door. The veil's been rent. The holiest of holies is open now. And by the blood of Jesus Christ, we can enter in boldly. You don't need a guy that don't know how to put his collar on. We're all priests and kings. We all have the right and the boldness to enter into God's throne room at any time. Are you running that race? You run that race looking to Jesus. You run that race shedding off these, this besetting sin, this weight. For consider him, verse 3, if you ever get depressed and discouraged and you want to quit, and you want to throw up your hands and you want to say, hey, I, I've, I've, I've served long enough. It's time for the, some of these young guys to come up, these young gals to come up and start serving. I'm just going to kind of take it easy right now. If you ever get that way, you consider this. Consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and you faint in your mind. I asked this question this morning. Are you running the race? Are you in the race? Do you have some besetting sin that hinders you in this race? Do you have weight that you need to get rid of? 
Is there something in your life that you know, do you know that you know that you know is not pleasing to God, but yet you continue doing it? If you're going to be in this race, if you're going to win the prize, like I said, if you've been born again, heaven's already yours. But there's a prize, and that prize is a crown of righteousness that we're going to be able to lay down at the feet of our Savior. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Preacher, that all sounds well and good. I'm not in the race. I don't know what it would take for me to be in the race. My Bible teaches me that the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world. He came in in poverty. He died in shame. He hung upon a cruel tree, shed his blood, beaten beyond recognition. The very hairs of his beard plucked from his face, spat upon, so that you and I by faith might receive him. Have you received Jesus Christ today? Is the Holy Spirit of God speaking to your heart? Perhaps you're a Christian and you say, Brother, I had not been running the race like I need to. I've got weights. I've got sins that are besetting me. I want to get those things off. I want to look to Jesus who is the author and perfecter of my faith. I want to be more like Jesus Christ than I've been in my whole life. Or you say, Brother, I don't know what it is to be a Christian. I don't know what it is to be saved. Let me tell you what. If you're dealing with that issue right now, I beseech you, trust Christ. Come to Christ. He's your only hope. He's my only hope. The Bible teaches that they who call on him will be saved. Brother, if you will come, have a song of invitation. You may have a waiver of sin to say. You may not. Saved here. You've got place of sin in your life. This invitation.